Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Right, stop, collaborate and listen. Welcome, pod fans, to this week's best ever edition of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Back once again like last year's unwanted Christmas presents. Here to bring you the knowledge you need to stay abreast of tech. This is your regular weekly audio guide, brought to you by the editors of PC Advisor, Techworld, Macworld UK and Computer World UK. Every week we huddle under the damp canvas of our aural awning, blasting out hot air in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. We're coming through with crystal clear audio clarity, courtesy of our sponsor Audio-Technica, who provided the mics on which we are recording this top tech chat. And I should say we've all had at least one glass of Prosecco this morning, (laughs) so it should be quite a lively one. I'm Matt Egan, Editorial Director of IDG UK, and today I am delighted to be joined in conversation by the tigerish Tamlin McGee, Online Editor of Computer World UK. (laughs) Hi Tamlin. Hello. <laughs> the talented Christina Mercer, assistant online editor of techworld.com. Hello. The totemic Lewis Painter, staff writer of PC Advisor. Hello. And the frankly terrifying David Price, acting editor of Macworld UK. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This week, Tamlin will be unpicking the budget, Lewis will be getting real with Sony's virtual reality, Christina will be spreading her sinister stylings all over DeepMind and AlphaGo, and David will be getting fruity with Apple's big announcement for next week. Happiness? Strap yourself in. We're off. Tamlin, welcome to the pod. Uh, You've been covering the budget for Computer World UK this week, so first of all, for our uh, less uh, uh, intensely educated uh, listeners, what the hell is the budget, and does it matter? Uh, Yeah, it does matter. It's essentially when the Chancellor of the government shows up to number 10, um, poses with a red box, which has the kind of year's fiscal policy in it, kind of outlining where spending will be going and won't be going. Yeah. And is there anything in the red box, do we know? Or is this just uh, typical parliamentary pageantry? Mostly hot air. Mostly hot air. That's good. Well, that's, that makes him kindred spirits with us. So was there anything in this week's budget for UK tech at all? There was stuff in tech. Um, generally, it was really business focused. So there was a lot of um, talk about uh, relief for small businesses and cutting of business rates. But in tech, uh, the government committed to a 5G strategy next year. And also relaxing regulations around driverless cars. So the the five G strategy, because often governments will do this. They'll say, 
um, hey, we're going to get rid of bad stuff and give you some good stuff. What's actually in the 5G strategy? What does that commit them to doing? Well, that's the thing. No one really knows yet. Ah. Um, they'll, <laughs> they've committed to having some kind of 5G strategy out next year. Uh, but as to what that entails, we don't know. Okay. So they've committed to having a strategy. Yeah. Why, why, why stop at 5G? 6G? You know, let's really go for it. I think we're not we're not quite at 6G yet, but certainly some of the some of the criticisms have been that um, you know in a country where a lot of uh, the the rural areas aren't really connected by Wi-Fi even yeah. or decent broadband, maybe let's not jump the gun with 5G just yet. Yeah, sure, because uh, it's a it's a classic sort of public private nonsense really that um, governments will say these things about improving connectivity, which is you know on the face of it a very good thing, but someone has to pay for that it's a little bit like paying for public transport into an area that's not highly populated and particular governments color aren't usually all that keen on funding massive infrastructure projects well there's been no indication of funding massive infrastructure projects at all in terms of rural broadband there was some talk of ultra fast broadband like five or ten million pounds here or there to some areas in the southwest but certainly nothing to commit to you know connecting up all of the uk they don't need broadband in the southwest. Yeah. They've, got, they've got custard and tractors and stuff. They'll be, <laughs> they'll be fine. Uh, so there was the five. The five G. Uh, what was the other thing you mentioned? Uh, driverless cars. Driverless so, cars. Driverless cars. So uh, the government is committing to removing red tape around introducing. That will get in the way of your driverless car if there's lots driverless of cars. Uh, as to what that red tape means, basically it just means um, we'll probably see some driverless cars being trialled on the roads. At some point soon. Cool. They, they don't even have driverless trains, though. Why are we going to? They do them? have them. The DLR is driverless. The DLR. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Magic. Welcome to the future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole. So, what's the benefit of driverless cars? I mean, they're, they're kind of cool. It's a cool story. But what? I don't know. What would be good about driverless cars? I don't know. I'm looking at you, Lewis. You got oh, any yeah. thoughts on this? I mean, I would hope that you wouldn't need a driver's license to drive a driverless car. Wow, well, that is good for you. I'm fingers yeah. crossed, yeah, because yeah. I haven't got a driver's license. So this <laughs> okay. is what I'm hoping for, but I doubt that will be the case. <laughs> but I mean, um, uh, Google's um, driverless cars, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if this is still what they're striving for, but it wasn't originally about um, every consumer owning their own driverless car, but it would be more about um, you'd have an app and then you'd call, like it would be like Uber, you'd call it and it yeah. would come to you, obviously, but there wouldn't be an Uber driver. It would just be the car, you'd jump in, it'll take you to your destination, you jump out and then it goes to some pick someone else up. Okay. I think that's pretty cool. And Envi- Environmentally... Environmentally, it would transform the way cities work. Particularly. Yeah, I think it has enormous potential to improve our lives generally. Um, I read recently that America has parking spaces um, that is equal to Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> and if you, you think about the amount of time people are just idling around trying to find a parking space, yeah. churning out pollution, driverless cars are definitely in the future. So the idea would be that you don't own your driverless car, you just use that as a hmm. personal pod of transport. Essentially. That, that chimes with a sort of dystopian vision for driverless cars that I've heard mentioned years ago when they're sort of just on the cusp of being talked about, which is that you know uh, companies like Uber are now investing loads in driverless cars, Google, of course, as well. Yeah. Uh, there could be a future where the roads are mainly full of driverless cars, and only the people who are wealthy enough to afford their own transport yeah. actually get freedom of access around the roads. Right. Sort of like the old um, Soviet system of priority access roads for the sure. apparatchiks. Or so like uh, uh, like Total Recall, which is where we always end up on this podcast. Or like Total Recall. <laughs> yeah. But what has, what has the budget got to do with driverless cars? This is what it I don't a, really understand. Well, 
essentially he's said we're looking into regulation to so we can start trialing driverless cars and the um car manufacturers are, are welcoming it because they can start getting their models on the road essentially there's also something that osborne called the connected corridor which will between be between dover and london i think right whereby the infrastructure on the road will be able to interact with your car and maybe cars will be able to interact with each other but there's not many details about that yet either so the idea would be more efficient use of roads because it would set a specific speed for the number of cars that were on there presumably you could drive close together if they were somehow smart i mean who knows it all sounds really nice but in practice we'll we'll just have to see and Potentially, the fact that it's between, I mean, should we read anything to the fact that it's between Dover and London? I mean, this could be like a super highway for deporting immigrants, you know. I think I've uncovered something here. <laughs> well. <laughs> super highway. Okay. Good. I think we've just found this week's story. So, okay, so it does sound a little bit like, would it be fair to say that um, th- there's a certain amount of grandstanding without particularly having that much uh, depth? Absolutely. Uh, most most of the significant announcements were, like I said, in, in business, which most businesses are predictably welcoming, you know, having to pay less tax. Um, there was something for micro-entrepreneurs, Osborne called them, which is essentially people who are in a position where they can rent out a room or a house on Airbnb. They right. won't have to pay their first £1,000 in tax. Okay. So, you know, he, he's trying to position this as like being policy for the digital century or whatever but um it's just essentially tax cuts for people who already have the cash to appreciate them okay well i'm sure all of our listeners who have the cash to appreciate those tax cuts will appreciate them (laughs) i imagine so so around the room guys uh we got a thumbs up or a thumbs down for the budget for tech david price um i think it's this isn't strictly tech i suppose but um it just seems like a lot of gimmicks to hide the fundamental fact that they are, um, I don't want to sound like a left-wing firebrand here, but taking money away from disabled people in order to make tax cuts for rich people. And Oh, and by the way, here's some, some tech sound bites. It just seemed like that to me. The question was, thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was definitely a thumbs down. Christina Mercer. Thumbs down. Ooh. Tamlin McGee. Um, I'm happy to sound like a left-wing firebrand. I completely agree. You know, we've just seen a massive amount of spending cuts against disabled people, and um, the giveaway to businesses is completely on the back of that. So that's probably two thumbs down. Two thumbs down. That wasn't an option, but I like the fact that it's uh, (laughs) embellished. Lewis Painter. I'm going to go with thumbs down as well. Thumbs down. Thumbs down all round for this week's budget. All right, we'll take a little breather there, and we'll be back in two seconds. Christina, uh, not only have you just found out that the Docklands Light Railway has no drivers, but you you are new to this uh, unholy mess of a podcast. So, what's been going on with robots taking over the world this week? Um, well, apparently they are in full swing taking over, well, board games. Board games. Taking over the board games, they're not safe. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, so AlphaGo has beat a human at the game Go uh, 4-1. What what is the game? Go? Actually, let's go to the most important question first. What's AlphaGo? So AlphaGo is created by Google DeepMind, um, which is a sort of neural network. It's uh, artificial intelligence 
Uh, I'm saying those are buzzwords, algorithms yeah. uh, for uh, decision making, essentially, which is meant to mimic short term human memory and, right. and stuff like that. So it's meant to essentially act like a human brain. And it's important because this game Go is a, was apparently, I mean, at one point, um, AI apologists, if you like, or mm. people who are pro AI or weren't scared that robots raising up and taking over the world, said that Go was kind of quite a significant thing because it requires human, what? Intuition. Uh, intuition, Yeah. Right? So, I mean, because in terms of complexity, it's like way more complex than chess and all these things. But Monopoly? Uh, oh God, way more. Way. I know, hard to, hard to imagine. Hungry Hippos? <laughs> God, I love Hungry Hippos. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it is way, way more complex than chess, but it is the intuition factor that pe- making people be you know quite impressed right um i don't i'm not actually that I'm, well i'm obviously impressed i don't want to be like yeah well you could do something better than that couldn't obviously you? I mean, like, whip something up in the lab but i just i think the fact that it's running lots and lots of algorithms and trying to pick the best move possible out of more than a human brain could ever sort of imagine yeah um is, is obviously impressive the intuition bit's the most impressive but i feel like i can't see the biggest it's still a massive leap for anything yeah. sort of useful so i'm not getting I'm not getting my hopes up in terms of like excitement levels but i you know it's so cool right? and it and it be it beat one of the world's best human go players yeah yeah 4-1 yeah lost a game rubbish. the the best yeah. i think the, yeah. the world champion so so david you you've been doing some research into uh, go <laughs> in in the sense that i learned how to play it last night okay uh, and it's and kind of like a what well, it's like cluedo but with uh, <laughs> Well, as the as a founder member of the IDG board game club, I yeah. feel like an an authority here uh, to talk about this. Uh, it's no, oh, no. It, it did what my head in. It really did my head in. Um, I don't understand it at all. And what is impressive about this uh, this feat, I think, is that um, you do have to have intuition. This is the mm. thing: is that when I first learned chess, I love chess. You can tell what's happening. It's really easy to grasp whether you're winning or losing. But Go is all about these abstract forms and abstract shapes. Um, and also, because it's on such a large board, as you said, it's yeah. computationally um, impossible, essentially, uh, at this point in technology development for a computer to work out all the moves. So it has to be thinking like a human, yeah. right. which is a completely, it's, it's a quantum leap forward from, um, you know, I was reading a story from 2002. This is quite shortly after um, a couple of the best chess players pretty much of all time had lost to computers. And it, and it made me really sad because it was saying, well, you know, we've always got go, and um, yeah. you know that well, that's never going to go. And um, and now we look back, and it seems it seems so straightforward that um, that at the time chess players were getting thrashed, and yeah. now we've lost go as well. I'm not sure what there is left that um, that we Connect can four. do better than. Oh probably. yeah, it's always that, isn't it? So uh, so do we? Does does this feel like a significant uh, step forward? I mean, it's impressive, yeah, as, I mean, as, as Christina was saying, it's very impressive to see a computer think kind of like a human, but I can't really think of any real-world application of where it can be used. You know, it's fine if you want to sit at home on a Saturday night and play board games with your computer, but <laughs> beyond that, I don't really see I any use. I have as well sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose, I mean, the other key thing that people always say is that the computer only knows that it's playing Go. It's not like it can step away from the table and... Mm. Go and order a drink or catch a bus. In that respect, it's very much like the royal family. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's not like something we should be worried about. Probably is it? Uh, well, I, I feel like worry is perhaps the wrong word because it's just it's technology. The whole thing behind technology is it, it will advance no matter what. It's 
it depends on what it's used for and who's using it and for yeah. what, right? I think one of the most interesting things about Go is that it played itself. It played itself. AlphaGo played itself thousands and thousands of times so it could get a grasp on the game, right? Uh, before it played a real human. I think that's quite incredible that yeah. AI was able to yeah. ascertain exactly what moves a human would be able to play. That's like a whole other sort of um, dimension to AI, I suppose. Really, mm. yeah. Sorry, Christina, we interrupted you. No, I mean. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are all going to lose our jobs though, eventually. I mean, we we all well, agree I mean, you on that, are, right? but that's sooner than you think. <laughs> but that's a that's a big big question at the moment, isn't it? Like whether AI and technology should be displacing people, and if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I mean, it it would it would be a good thing if it all happened at once. This this is the point. Is that the future? If you know, at some point, everything is going to be accomplished by. And maybe I'm a bit of a weirdo in saying this, but everything is going to be accomplished by computers and machines, mm-hmm. and and the humans will be able to sit around, loll around, you know, drinking prosecco and making podcasts, whatever they like doing, and that's that's a fantastic future. But the problem is, is that the jobs are going to be hived off by uh, tiers, if you like, of how hard they are to automate, mm-hmm. which means yeah. you have whole, I mean, maybe classes is the wrong word to use, but segments of society are losing their jobs first, and nobody's uh, caring about them because they're thinking, well, my job in the uh, service sector or whatever, that's harder to automate, so I'm okay. Meanwhile, people are out on the street. Um, I mean, we're, we are comparatively creative people, I think it's fair to say, so we're going to be towards the end, I would hope, but there's no absolutely no reason why a computer couldn't replicate what we do eventually. It's almost mm-hmm. a, a Marxist question in a way. In the, it's know, such a left-wing podcast. The internet, internet of Marxism this week. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is, because, you know, when, when Marx was writing, we'd, we'd seen things like the cotton gin, which increased productivity massively, but at the same time, it was used to the detriment of people using it, i.e. slaves. Yeah. Right? So it depends, like, who this machinery is controlled by and for what purpose it's put forward. Yeah, completely. And you said it was a sort of very current thing, but, I mean, as David has often said in the past, the Luddites were right. Uh, you know they're kind of held up as these anti-technology development people, but all they were saying was this technology is going to cost us our jobs. It's interesting because I'm sort of I have I have feet in two camps here because on the one hand I think human beings are historically not great at lolling around doing nothing. Right? <laughs> if we if we don't have a purpose or work uh, as such, we typically aren't particularly happy. And I, you know I take the point about yeah. um about the the way it works, but at the same time. Technology has also typically re- got rid of some jobs and then just created other jobs elsewhere. Not necessarily in an economically fair way, but generally, you know, the more complex and the more creative tech gets, typically speaking, other jobs suddenly appear that service that tech. I think what I'm saying is I have no idea what's <laughs> going to happen, but AI is, and DeepMind in particular, is a really interesting thing to watch, I guess. Is this going to bring universal guaranteed income? Is that is that the future? What do we think about that? Well, again, human nature hasn't typically allowed for that, has it? No. No, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it should happen. But I, I think know. I think if it if it doesn't, then we're just going to see a large swathe of people, like you say, completely displaced. And where's society going to go then if there's no jobs for people to do? And we're already seeing like wages and jobs stagnate as it is now let alone with all these massive advances in technology that are coming in the future so what is going to happen unless there's a political question posed as well yeah or perhaps we could just all spend our time playing board games against computers and losing and losing yeah 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 
Wow. I feel a bit sad now. Some more prosecco. Uh, yeah, yeah so, let's keep the prosecco. <laughs> so quick, asking the question around the room: Alpha Go beating humans at Go. Interesting tech development or end of the human race? David Price. End of the human race. Tamlin McGee. Both. Again, <laughs> curveball, Tamlin. Lewis Painter. I think I go with both as well, actually. Yeah. Christina, you're under a lot of pressure to come up with a cool answer now. Um, it's definitely not both. It's, Say neither. It's, uh, yeah, neither. <laughs> neither. Wow. Brilliant. Okay, uh, that's robots and board games. Uh, we will be back in two seconds. Lewis, you have been, this week, you've been covering the launch of Sony's PlayStation VR headset. Hey, what's the reality? Well, <laughs> here we go. Because now the, the big three have all been announced. They've all got pricing. They've all got release dates. You've got the HTC Vive Pre the Oculus Rift, and the PlayStation VR. Boom. Wow. It's exciting. (laughs) Uh, Shit's getting real. (laughs) It it really is. Sony claims that they've got 230 developers working on um, VR content for the PlayStation VR platform at the moment. And it claims even though the PlayStation VR isn't going to be out until October, that it's going to have at least 50 projects released between October and December. Which, if true, is pretty impressive, but I'm not really holding my breath. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, I mean, it's, it, the pricing is the most competitive thing about, about the uh, PlayStation VR because it's the cheapest one, the cheapest high-end one, should I say, available. It's uh, £349, uh, where the Oculus Rift is 499 and the HTC Vive Pre is 689 Wow, so that's a significant difference. Yeah, massive difference. It's, it's pretty much a half the price of the HTC Vive yeah. Pre. Um, obviously, there are a few limitations. Um, it's, I mean, uh, people at Sony have even said themselves in, in the past few weeks that the, the quality of the VR may not be as great as what can be provided by the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive Pre, but that's basically because you're not playing it on you know a 1500 pound pc you're playing yeah. it on a 300 pound console and does it have so i suppose unlike the hcc you're not going to have the hand controls as well interesting because um while it doesn't have it by default 
because um, all, all, all PlayStation VR experiences will have to have uh, DualShock 4 controller support. So standard PlayStation 4 controller, you can use that with the VR headset. Yeah. But they're also using the uh, move batons from the PlayStation 3, I think, because there's no PlayStation 4 variation yet. Whether that changes between now and yeah. October is another story. But uh, they've got the the move batons um, that can be used to kind of interact with your environment, not in the same level as the HTC Vive Pre, because you can't, I don't think you're able to walk around in your environment as much as you are with, with the Vive. Um, but you, you can, you know, bend down and pick up a gun off the floor and shoot people with a trigger. Uh, Brilliant. Which is, you know, it, it will feel great, yeah. <laughs> feel great with the VR. Can you play a on. virtual game of Go against uh, a virtual uh, AI? I think world. that'll stress me out too much and I'll throw the headset across the room. Okay. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, so it's cheaper than the Vive Prey and the Oculus Rift. Broadly speaking, comparable in terms of tech. Uh, yeah, I mean they all kind of boast similar features. The yeah. actually uh, the one thing that is impressive about the PlayStation VR is that it has a higher refresh rate than the okay. HTC Vive and the Oculus Rift. Uh, those two feature ninety hertz uh, refresh rate, uh, whereas the uh, PlayStation VR has a one hundred and twenty. Which means that theoretically it could render up to 120 frames per second, providing smoother VR, which would make it more immersive and more believable for the person using the headset. Sure. Uh, but in, apart from that, the tech is broadly the same, kind of gyroscopes yeah. and all kind of stuff to detect movement. And, and we know from history that the winner in these kind of battles tends to be the one with the best content. Yeah. And this is Sony. And Sony yeah. has won several of these battles by having... Uh, as you said, impressive numbers of, of, of developers, and, and are dev- when you said experiences or something similar to that, yeah. you said yeah, projects, projects. Yeah. So, are we talking about games or are we talking about something? See, different? this is the interesting thing. Um, if if I think if they would if they meant games, they would have said games. The way they're saying projects is because a lot of VR at the moment isn't strictly you know shoot 'em ups that kind of thing. It's yeah. more about experiences, placing you in places that you could never. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could, but uh, you, you probably won't ever get to experience in real life. Like inside the uh, Tech Weekly podcast. Exactly. You could be in the studio with us at yeah. one point. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you could uh, theoretically be in space, have a little look around in space, floating around. I saw... Little look around yeah. in space. Like, you know, yeah, just, sure. just a little <laughs> stroll in, in and zero gravity. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's more than games, I think. Um, but I think the main thing will be... I mean, in my opinion, anyway, it'll be horror games. I think we're going to see yeah. less horror films and more horror games because horror films are scary, but you know that you're always sat in a room with your mates watching the screen. But with horror in VR, yeah. you're in the horror film. You turn around and you see someone standing behind you. You're going to be very scared. You're going to run away. I can't do it. That's too scary. There's going to be a, mo- a movie or an experience fairly soon where that is the story of the film, yeah. but actually you get stabbed in reality. Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Uh, is uh, so now VR is affordable and a thing, and every week we seem to get new, exciting news. How are people feeling about virtual reality? Are people going to rush out and buy these things? Well, I mean, the HTC Vive Pre, when that went on pre-order, they sold fifteen thousand in ten minutes. Um, apparently, when the PlayStation uh, VR headset went up on Amazon for pre-order, it sold out within about ten minutes as well. So, I mean, especially with the PlayStation VR headset, where a lot of people already have PlayStations, you know, because it's compatible yeah. with every PlayStation 4. So there's no need to fork out for an expensive PC like you do with the Oculus Rift and the Vive Pre. Yeah. So um, I think there'll be definitely a lot of interest in the PlayStation um, variant. Any interest around this table, Christina? Are you... Uh... I mean, I want to try it, but, like, I'm not going to rush out and, and buy it. I'm always, like, last to the sort of party with things like this, so I'm just going to let everyone else... Yeah, like, sensible, I, you know, That's always then... the best idea. Yeah. Be oh, a late good. adopter. I'm oh. always a late adopter. 
So, and, and are you going to be a late adopter of uh, the VR gadgets? Oh, well? very much so. But um, I'm, <laughs> I've been traditionally the sceptic when we've been talking about yeah. virtual reality in the last few weeks. You know what? I'm starting to get convinced. Oh, oh hello. It's the, it's the low price point and the fact that it's Sony. Price point. Yeah, Such a journalist thing to say. Let's, uh, let's have a look at the form factor. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're going to get, we might get a critical mass here. We might get enough people making the content. Mm. And that, like we always say, that's the critical thing. Is if there's, if there's just one good game that gets a lot of headlines and then a few kind of crappy ones and then it's sort of, people stop using it. That's what we're expecting. You know, yeah. Skeptics like me are expecting that to be. But with Sony on board and, you know, mm. that price, that's really quite really appealing. Although I think, Lewis, you forgot to mention yes. the camera. I was just about to go on to that. Yeah. Sorry, um, yeah. Even though the PlayStation VR headset itself only costs £349, it doesn't come with the required PlayStation camera that you need to use the headset. Now, that's only £39 more, which still makes it a lot cheaper than the Oculus Rift. Um, I'm not quite sure why Sony had done this. It might be because some people would have already had a PlayStation camera and you, yeah. know, you don't need two. Yeah. Um, but it just seems a bit weird. I would have expected them to at least offer the option to have yeah. a bundle with it included. Yeah, then, you, you, know... you could sell the, the VR and the camera yeah. as a bundle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, I assume that's probably what they'll do uh, yeah. closer to the time. But for now, at least, it's... it's uh, Amazon said, though, uh, that since they announced that the uh, camera isn't um, you know, bundled with the headset, there's been a massive surge in sales of the camera. <laughs> so it is happening, isn't it? It is it? happening, people are preparing. Do we know, uh, Just, just this just pops into my head, but is there going to be an Xbox equivalent? Uh, not officially. The Oculus Rift has some limited support um, via Windows, so if you, when, um, because one of the uh, features of Windows 10 is the ability to stream your Xbox One gameplay to your computer. Now if you have the HTC Vive, um, HTC Vive when you have the Oculus Rift headset on, uh, you're kind of transported to this cinema screen and you're sat in this you know, this room and you've got a massive uh, cinema screen in front of you and that's where you'll be playing your game. So right. if you have like a tiny room in real life, pop the headset on and you're sat in a massive room, it gives you wow. a bit more sense of space. A bit, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty cool experience, but beyond that, I don't think there's anything... So maybe in this dystopian future where none of us have jobs to be replaced by robots, but we could use massive virtual reality headsets to pretend that we have nice big houses. <laughs> From our pods. Yeah, that's right. From the Skynet pod. <laughs> I'm I'm still not entirely convinced by VR just because they, they do seem to be quite clunky and unwieldy to wear at the moment. Um, and also, every time I've tried Oculus, um, I felt slightly concussed after I've taken it off. Wow. That and... was an issue uh, early on during the development. They had issues with kind of uh, people being disorientated because the, yeah, the frame rate and there was a bit of a yeah. lag. It just it wasn't... And I guess like with um, 3D TV and the 3DS and things like that, um, we'll have to wait to see a mass rollout to see how people generally respond to it, because there could be issues with that yeah. again. I think PlayStation's, uh, the PlayStation VR has its launch is, is more interesting than anything, because where HTC and Oculus are you know really pushing to get theirs out, you know, that the Oculus uh, starts uh, shipping on the 28th of March, actually, a couple of weeks. And then the uh, HTC Vive Pre is a couple of weeks after that in April. Whereas Sony has been like, well, we're going to take a step back. You know, we're going to we're going to leave it six months. We're going to come out in October. Why? I mean, I think it's because HTC and Oculus, they all get all the brunt of all the issues with VR yeah. when it first comes out. All the you know issues with kind of setting up, just everything to do with VR. They're, they're going to have issues. They're going to have complaints. And then six months down the line, Sony can, you know, they're observing all the stuff that's going to be happening. They can swoop in and be like, hey, guys, here's our option. You know, we've got all the content for it. We've got it all ready for you. There you go. It's like Apple. <laughs> yeah, wait for the market to be ready and then come in with the solution to all the problems. Yeah, I think it's pretty smart. Boom. Okay, quick round the room then. 
PlayStation VR, are you going to play David Price? No, thank you. Christina Mercer? Not yet. Lewis Painter? Oh, definitely. Tabby McGee? Mm, maybe. Interesting. <laughs> and on that mention of Apple, we'll just take a little break and then we'll be back for what we're now calling David's regular Apple section. <laughs> David, uh, Apple is going to tell us something next week. What will that be and why should we care? Well, you should care because it's Apple and the products that it produces <laughs> will be amazing, obviously. Um, <laughs> Apple says it's going to loop us in. Um, I, I should explain that, actually. Apple always has an invitation that it sends out to every um, press event, um, which has a little uh, cryptic clue on it. And this one around, it says, let us loop you in. And we're here at Macworld. We think maybe that refers to either the um, the strap on the Apple Watch, which some versions of that are called, you know, the um, the steel loop. I'm looking at you now, it's Lewis. Uh, yeah, the Milanese loop. Milanese loop, that's yeah, it. Steel Things like that. The old Milanese loop. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> big style. And it might also refer to Apple's headquarters, which are currently at one infinite loop. Um, but it's working on some new digs. Could it possibly refer to the song Snooker Loopy? That, I would say that is likely, actually. Uh, I think we've got a breaking story now. Excellent. That they're going to have a Chaz and Dave segment in which they... I don't know where we're going with this. Um, <laughs> but more likely um, is that we will have a new iPhone and we will have a new iPad and then anything other than that will be an afterthought, possibly to justify the name. So, you know, you might have a few Apple Watch bands, things like that, and maybe a little update where they say, oh, here's our new uh, headquarters. Hmm. And uh, tell us about the new iPhone then. That's the thing most people would be interested in. Yes, that is, we think, going to be called the iPhone Special Edition or iPhone SE or iPhone C. Is that what you were calling it, Lewis? Uh, no, I was just SE. I, I said there's, there's so many names that have been floating around you know it's changed brand so many times in the last yeah. six months let alone anything else we were thinking 6c for a 6C while 6c was the main one but that seemed like a backward step because the sixth generation has been out for well since 2014 uh anyway so it's probably gonna be called the iphone se it's gonna be a four inch phone the first four inch screen iphone since the iphone 5s and 5c in 2013 yeah uh so People like me who have small hands and small <laughs> pockets and like to have small iPhones uh, have missed that, um, I'm going to use the phrase again, form factor. And these larger iPhones that have come out since then, um, which have been very commercially successful, I should say, um, we've not been covered by those, so we're looking forward to getting a new small iPhone. Other than that, um, it, we think it's going to be um, a lot like the um, possibly the iPhone 6, so, sort of similar specs to the iPhone 6 crammed into a 4-inch case and then um, touted as the iPhone Special Edition and then people will buy many, many, many of them. Okay. So it's in, the, 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 the sort of the, op, the small screen option, it's, it's really interesting how that's gone because for a long time it was like, now iPhones are always relatively small. That's yeah. what you need. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... Classic Apple. All of a sudden... <laughs> Big screens are what it's all about. Yeah, because absolutely. Basically because some Android manufacturers have had some success with big screens. Yeah. But now we think we're, get, we're getting... Is it a reversal or is it just more options? I think it's more options. I, I think we, we've noticed that... Uh, I remember we talked about this, that iPhone sales seem to be peaking, even though the most recent ones were the highest ever, but the highest ever by a very small amount. So it looked like maybe it was plateauing off. Uh, I think that might be because um, the people that are looking for a small iPhone haven't been catered for for a, a few years. 
so I think Apple wants to have a reasonably up-to-date um, iPhone covering the three sizes of iPhone, the 4-inch, the 4.7-inch, and the 5.5-inch, so that everybody that wants an iPhone in whatever size is covered. I think right. that's it. And that's, so it's not like a return to the bad old days of having way too many products in, in a specific line. They do risk that. Um, yeah, it's it's been a sort of marked change under Tim Cook that they've moved away from the the really sort of puritanical Steve Jobs approach of we're going to have very few versions of each product so that for a customer that comes into our shop, they're going to say, I want a MacBook. And the person will say, right, do you want a pro MacBook or not? Do you want it to be big or small? And then there'll be four choices and that's yeah. it. Compared to someone like Dell that would have every conceivable spec under the sun. Um, I, I think they're balancing it quite nicely. I think there is a lot of people that want the phablet uh, style, the bigger, the bigger phone. Um, but I'm not one of them, and there's I think there's a few people out there like me that want a smaller iPhone, and I think it makes sense to cover all the bases. Anyone else here tiny-handed? Uh, I'm not tiny-handed. <laughs> I've actually quite large hands, to be honest. Look, look. Wow, but Christina, know, listener, Christina has big hands. Big she hands. has she has what my grandmother would call murderer's hands. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no comeback to that. I, I know. I literally can't. I presume I'll murder you. You've never murdered. <laughs> I won't. I won't. That. <laughs> That is uh, a record <laughs> of that threat that Christina just made against you. Anybody else have non-murderous hands? <laughs> I've got quite big hands. Lewis so has the biggest hands I've ever seen. I'm, I'm happy hands. to have the you know the 5.5 inch screen. I went back down to the 4.7 inch and I thought that was too small. So We're I'm... the wrong, wrong way around me, aren't we? Because I have a 5.5 inch at the moment and it's yeah. too big. Yeah, and, you, and you're, and you're there, and, you're, <laughs> and you're, you're like a giant that's found um, a little a little baby sheep. Is it like cradling it? It is exactly, and he crushes oh his eyes. I was only I was only trying to pet it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to do 3D touch, and it died. <laughs> What's happened to this podcast? Prosecco, Prosecco happens. Prosecco happens. Okay. Should we talk about iPads? Yeah. So, what's happened on the iPad world? Um, this one is a bit more boring. We think the iPad Air 3 is about to come out. Uh, when Apple launched the iPad Pro in September uh, and also the iPad Mini 4, it didn't bring out a new middle-sized uh, iPad, the iPad Air, the 9.7-inch screen. So that's overdue. So we think we're going to get uh, an iPad Air 3 with similar features to the iPad Pro. Lewis is a little bit more sceptical than me because uh, he thinks it would be... Showers yeah. of scepticism. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, if you know, if you've got this eight nine £900 iPad Pro tablet and then they release a version of it, or, you know, the 9.7-inch, if it's got the same internals, then why would you pay? Effectively you, you double the price paid. just for a slightly bigger screen. They've already bought it. The early adopters have already got in there. Yeah. So why you should always be a late adopter, Christina. Don't get, don't get fooled. Don't listen to them. It's exciting. But we should... <laughs> I'm going to go with whatever Crystal, Christina wants after her recent <laughs> threats. <laughs> People with small hands can murder too, you know. That was that wasn't a threat. That, that sounds like you're jealous. Hey, I could murder as I well. I could poison very easily. Mm, My yeah. nimble hands could put poison in your drink. You could poison, but Christina, Christina could also poison and she could murder. No, her clumsy large hands would fumble the, the, the vial of poison. <laughs> drop it in her own drink. I don't she know where could, this is going. And Lewis could do the full Mice and Men. Lenny yeah, yeah. he would crush you. Yeah. <laughs> he would crush your skull like a grape. Anyway. Anything else? <laughs> um... Apple Watch bands, which is a bit boring, really and boring. possibly Macs. Um, and I'm not sure about this. Um, I don't know how much of what I've heard to say, but I've been getting signals uh, which are quite ambiguous 
in the vague direction of Apple. I don't know if I should say more than that, but suggest they're trying to play down. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> suggest they're trying to play down expectations Smart ahead signals? of this. Uh, <laughs> no email signals. Um, <laughs> Uh, which I don't want to say more about, but um, it's the time of year when MacBooks normally come out. Um, the last, uh, well, March 2015 and April 2014, there were new MacBook Airs. Um, and last March, there was the new 12-inch MacBook. And uh, in March 2015, there was also a new MacBook Pro. So around about this time of year, it's, you know, normally you can set your clock by, there'll be some new MacBooks. Um, but I'm not sure. And we've not we've not really heard any leaks. Um and like I said, I, I get the vague impression that Apple is trying to play down expectations ahead of this. So I think maybe not. Um, no max. Well, no max. Not till later this year, at least. I mean, log- logically, there should be because it's that time of year and it's been a while, and you know, you'd think so. But I mean, I've read a report that claims that the uh, MacBook Air is going to get a complete redesign. Because I mean, it's been on the market for eight years and it looks the exact same as it did when it kind of entered the market, maybe a bit thinner. But uh, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so reports suggest that it's going to go undergo a complete redesign this year. We have a brand new model of the iPad, um, the MacBook Air, but we're not going to see it until around WWDC time, which makes it a bit later than usual for Apple. Yeah, but yeah. And it'll be a bit random to kind of announce a laptop around the time of a WWDC, but... It has done that before, hasn't it? We've seen, yeah, we've seen yeah, it before. I've done Max at WWDC. It's, kind of, it's unusual to have a big event in March, is that right? Yeah, well, it seems it seems to be switching now to a... Biannual. Which one is which one is twice a year and which one is once every two years? Biennial or biannual? Which one? Whichever the one is, where it's two mm-hmm. a year. Uh, it seems to be March and September will be the big hardware launches, and in the summer WWDC, the operating system launches. Um, but yeah, it seems to be moving that now. It used to do September and October would be sort of twin launches where you'd have the iPhone and then the iPad, but it's compressed them together. Um, I think it makes more sense, doesn't it, to sort of spread things out over the year. Instead of having people, I mean, it always used to get the hype, people going, on oh, when's the next product? And I suppose that's good in a way that it's got people talking about it, but wasn't actually getting product on the shelves, you know, straight away until autumn. I think it makes sense. Excellent. So let's quickly go around the room. Uh, the Apple event next week, are we excited or not? Christina? Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> David? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but in a professional way. Lewis, I'm, I'm so pumped. <laughs> Tamlin, um, I've been covering Apple for years as a someone who doesn't really prescribe to Apple or particularly enjoy them, so entirely bored of it already. Entirely bored of it already, which I suspect, listener, uh, <laughs> <laughs> reflects your feelings on this prosecco infused podcast. So thank you for listening. Uh, you've done a great job there do get in touch let us know your thoughts and opinions and to shake us down for cash you can tweet us at UK Tech Podcast or email editor at idg.co.uk we will be back next week with more informed opinion on the hottest topics in tech courtesy of our good friends Audio Technica until then say goodbye guys goodbye UK Tech Weekly Podcast My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. 
And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 